Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. If you're new here, I just want you to know just a little bit of the heart of this place. Um, our vision is life together. And life together comes from Acts chapter 2. And you, you heard Leonard even kind of quote it. That the, the disciples, they devoted themselves uh, to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to fellowship. And that word fellowship really um, in, in Greek is the word koinonia. And koinonia literally means on mission together. This is what it means to do life together, is that we're actually on mission together. When we fellowship, we're fellowshipping and doing community on mission together. And that, that desire is that every one of us would hopefully go deeper and deeper and deeper into the way of Jesus. Understanding our place in the kingdom. That every one of us plays this unique part in the body. And when, when we begin to live like that, we begin to recognize every one of us brings something to this conversation. Every one of us brings something to the kingdom. And for me, I've been thinking so much um, about a passage in Scripture. And this passage in Scripture is in Acts, Acts chapter 20. Um, Paul is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. Um, He's gathered up some tithes and offerings to help support the church in Jerusalem. He's going through a really, really difficult time. But to bring that money to Jerusalem... He's going to set himself up into a very adverse situation. He also has to leave a church that he absolutely adores. It's the church in Ephesus. And so he calls for some elders and some people from the church of Ephesus to share some kind of final remarks. He doesn't honestly know if he'll ever get back there. He's saying some final words to a church he deeply, deeply desires. And and you all know when someone's at the end of their life. Or someone's sharing some final remarks, they, they hold a level of weightiness that's just different from the everyday just chopping it up. And as you see in Acts 20, Paul begins to kind of share what's about to happen to him that he thinks, he, how he's trusting the Holy Spirit, the uncertainty that he's walking into. But then he turns the corner towards the end of Acts 20 and he begins to declare a word. If he could have the church in Ephesus, a, a very unique community. Uh, a community that's filled with talent and, 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 and wealth uh, and influence. He wants them to understand some words from our Lord, our Savior, our King, our Rabbi. Look what it says in Acts 20, verse 35. It says this. In everything I did. This is Paul speaking. In everything I did, I showed you. That by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So, so the final things that Paul wants to tell this church in Ephesus to the leaders of the church is this. He brings it back to the teachings of Jesus and he goes, oh yeah, yeah. it is more blessed to give than to receive. And here's my question for City Church. Is it? Like is, like, is it more blessed to give than to receive? Because we live in a culture that is about taking. We live in a culture that's like, I want the credit. We live in a culture like, well, you know, like, they're getting credit for what, like, I did. We live in a culture like, no, 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 no. Like, it's almost like um, uh, Finding Nemo, Seagull's theology. It's like, mine, 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 mine. It's mine. I did this. 
I earned this. I achieved this. It's mine. And one of the most countercultural realities is that we have to wrestle with this. Do we actually believe the teachings of Jesus? Is it more blessed to give than to receive? Now, this passage for the last five months is like just, um, I've really had to take like some honest inventory of my own life. Because I want to say it's true. I want to believe that this is more blessed to give than to receive. But I, I, I found myself just wildly fascinated by this. And so um, I started to uh, study and reach out and begin to like learn from some neuroscientists. Um, these are people who study the way that the brain works. And I came across a study that was done in Stanford University, the University of Pittsburgh, and also the University of Notre Dame, which it's got to be true if I'm quoting the University of Notre Dame. So I, I found myself just so blown away by this because if, if you think about this, in the last 20 years, we have taken such profound ground in understanding how the brain actually works. It's really hard to read a book without learning and discovering when you, when you talk about brain science or you talk about the, the way that the mind works, you're, you're beginning to hear the language of prefrontal cortex and amygdala hijack and lizard brain, all of this stuff about the way that our brain works. And what I came to discover is something that this study in both Stanford and Pitt and University of Notre Dame and even some other schools around the country, they refer to the blessing that comes in giving because of what they call the happiness trifecta. Now, the happiness trifecta is the release of dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. Some of you are like, I thought I came to church. I, I promise you we're getting there. I just want to show you this because I love, I love, I love when the text written almost 2,000 years ago is like stumbled into something that is profoundly true as science even begins to prove it. I mean, you, you, this is what the beauty of how the inspired word you get to Genesis chapter 3, and you hear the curse that has happened to humanity. One of it is for men, and it says that your identity will be found in the sweat of your brow, which means your identity will be found in what you accomplish and what you do for work. And isn't that seemingly true? And so many men today find their identity in what they do. It was written six, 7,000 years ago, and it's still relevant today. That's the power of the text. Now back to this happiness trifecta. Some of these words, some of you might know, dopamine is, is kind of like the, where, the idea of where desire or motivation, um, even arousal. So whenever there's a sense of like you're motivated, there is a release of dopamine into your body and into your stream and into your brain. And it actually, it's, it, it's good. Serotonin, serotonin is when you actually learn something new. Something is released in your brain. Oh. Or if you actually go to a new restaurant in downtown Chicago and you're like, that experience, you go to a new place, you have a different conversation where there's curiosity, you learn something, serotonin is actually released in your brain. Also serotonin is released in your brain when you have a good night's sleep, which probably none of us do. But when you have a good night's sleep, serotonin is released in your brain. Oxytocin, they call this uh, the snuggle. Like whenever there's touch or there's a good hug where you feel safe, that is released into your body, into your brain. And the happiness trifecta, when you actually give of yourself, all three are released. 
It's fascinating. And somehow when it says that it's more blessed to give than receive is that when you actually have a posture of like giving, what it actually does in your body. Now this is, this is why it's even more fascinating to me. Because the happiness trifecta, when you choose this, it actually combats the release of cortisol in the body. And in this day and age, cortisol is what happens when we have fight or flight. When we're driven by scarcity, I don't know if I'm going to get mine. When we have this sense of I'm stressed or overwhelmed or overworked, I just have this, I'm afraid. Cortisol comes pumping through a body. It comes from the adrenals. And the truth is, this world that we live in is ODing on cortisol. For many of us, we can't seem to even get down to a place of peace. And the truth is, what they are discovering is that the wear and tear that cortisol puts on our body is having significant damage to our heart, to our mind, to our body, to our soul. And, and this, this is true because we're seeing this, the, the, the stress that's causing on organs, the stress that people are having with heart, the stress because of all of the sense of we've been driven to receive, we've been driven to take, we've been driven to achieve, we've been driven and we've become more familiar with the posture of stress and being overwhelmed than actually peace. And what I'm coming to discover, next slide, is that the happiness trifecta is, it is so beautiful because it's more blessed to give for our heart, for our mind, for our body, for our soul to receive. Now, we're going to dive in and take this even a little bit farther, but I, I just want you to see, because again, I think we all nod our heads to this, but this is where we are swimming upstream. Because there's a sense at which we're like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe that. But just think about all that is coming at us from culture. Think about the way that we talk about money. Oftentimes we talk about net worth versus net given. And net worth is how much do you make in a year? How much do you accumulate? What is your gross net salary? The way that we talk about it is Again, not in kingdom of God terms, but kingdom of the world terms. Oh, this is how much I make. This is what I've done. And again, in that, without even just knowing it, it's so easy to drift to a, a theology that it is, it is more blessed to receive than to actually give. It is more blessed to accumulate than actually to give. It is more blessed to achieve and take and make than it is to receive. I was talking to a friend of mine. He's a pastor in Canada, Edmonton, and his name is Daniel M., an amazing human being. And, and Daniel and I were, were chopping about this, and, and he told me about this man named Bob Loschke. And Bob Loschke actually has created this whole kind of system around not net worth, but net given, where you actually begin to recognize, well, what have you actually given? If this text is true, it is more blessed to give than receive, what if you actually looked at your life as, how much have I given away? And I started to really think about that. And I started to ponder on it. And it made me want to go back and look at my taxes. Um, I started at like age 18. Um, I, I didn't really file taxes. Please remove this from the, the podcast. When I was 16, when I worked at Possibilities. Yes. 
You got to choose your noodle and choose your sauce because it was endless possibilities. It was amazing. Um, and uh, I, I remember like at 18 doing my first taxes and, and just going through it. And it was just white out city. I just didn't know what I was doing. But again, it was all about like what I made, what I made, what I made. And you start doing that. It's like, oh, then you get your first job. And you're like, oh, man, this is how much I'm, I'm, I made. This is how much I'm worth. And, and then over the last like decade, something just began to shift to recognize, no, 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 no. In the kingdom, it, 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 it's, 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 more, it's different. It's different. I can't just put like new icing on an old cake and call that the kingdom of God. This is this whole countercultural, upside-down reality based on the life and being in Christ changes everything. And I felt in this moment that the Lord actually just started to convict me and start to say, it's not about money. It's about your whole actual being and your approach to life. And so this is what I want to talk about today, is if we actually believe this text, one verse that is more blessed to give than to receive, then how does it affect the way we see everything in our lives? I believe that it is more blessed to give with our time. I mean, just think about this. 168 hours every single one of us has in a given week. By the next time we gather, next week, we'll have 168 hours, every single one of us. Did you know that in these same studies where people were beginning to research about people who actually embodied this more blessed to give than receive life, they found that people who volunteer consistently live five years longer than the person who doesn't. That, that, that is wild to me. The fact, because if you have a consistent place to live for and on behalf of somebody else or some organization that you believe or something that you serve or some church, it, you live longer. I mean, if you serve with junior high students, you will live longer. I don't know if that's true, but that's what the study says. And there's something about that because when you actually recognize like, oh, my life my life matters for somebody else. And I, I, actually, I actually have something to offer up somebody else. But again, it's so easy to fall into the slipstream of just to consume, just to take, just to receive. And I think there's something about this that every one of us should look at our life and go, man, in the 168 hours, how much am I giving away for another? Not for myself. Not trying to get ahead in the business, not trying to like kind of posture myself, but like I'm actually giving it away. Another way to look at this too, and it's going to seem selfish, but I want you to understand this, is I think that there's a number of people in the church who do a good job of giving away to other people. They actually just don't give time to themselves. I think there's another way of actually giving. How often do you just take time for you? Time just to give back to yourself, to allow God to give to you. That's the beauty of Sabbath. God actually knew you probably aren't just going to drift towards taking a day off and delighting in his presence. So I'm going to actually give you permission and say it's okay. Many of us say, yes, I love that, I love that, I love that. But only people who really seem to do that is Chick-fil-A. And I think when you look at their profit margins, they are crushing because they actually believe this. It is more blessed to give than receive with their time. What about you? 
But it's even more than just time and our volunteerism and our actual sense of giving. I want to live longer. I want as much time with my kids and someday hopefully grandkids and maybe even great-grandkids. I don't know. I want as much time to be able to share the power and the beauty of good news. What about you? But what if if it's more than just time? It is more better to give with our talent. I mean, some of you in this room, you have superpowers, spiritual gifts, ways in which God has wired you. You you see with a sense of discernment or a sense of evangelistic fervor or, or a beauty of mercy or an ability with hospitality. You have this spiritual gift. And, and when we just find ourselves just getting into a posture, now it's just about receiving. And this is, you know, Bria was just mentioning this beautifully, but this is where we've gotten it off in the church. We, we highlight a couple people on stage. But that's just one part of a body. Might be the mouth, might be the brain, but every part of the body actually matters. And for some of us, we grew up in, in a world that taught us you are in the world for Christ. I just don't think that's great theology. Our ecclesiology, our understanding of the church ought to be we are in Christ for the world. It's different. That when we actually connect ourselves together, um, this will only make sense to those of you who were kids in the 80s and 90s, but it is the theology of Voltron. We are actually better together. When we come together, there's a couple people in the back, they're like, I get you now. I get you now. I didn't understand what you were talking about before, but Voltron, got it. Gospel, good news. But it is more better to give with our time, our talent. But also you think about this with our treasure. It is more better to give. It is more blessed to give with our treasure. And, and, and truth be told, like I, I think everything inside of us oftentimes has to fight the scarcity and the comparison with this neighbor or this neighbor. And all of a sudden, one of the greatest props in all of Scripture is money because money can actually disintegrate us faster than most stuff in life. And when you can make money behave, when you can recognize it has power, just not over you, you actually have a sense to say, no, it's actually more blessed to give than to actually try to constantly be accumulating, constantly trying to receive. Um, you know, there, there, there's a, a guy that's NFL quarterback, you all know him, um, just hurt himself, uh, unfortunately, Incredible kid. Grew up actually most of his life in Barrington before moving to Holland. Amazing, amazing guy. I remember talking with him about this, and he said this. I want to make as much money as possible because I want to give it the majority of it away. And this, at the time, he was 25 years old. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I want to sign the biggest contract. It's not, it's not necessarily for me. It's all kingdom money. I should, the more money I get, the more I can give away. And I was like... Oh, that's different. It's not, I just want more money for more security. It's more about something else. I don't, I don't, there's a lot of you in this room who know how to make money. Fantastic. But what is it about? Does it end at accumulation or does it end at the sense of it's more blessed to give than receive? And when you can actually begin those principles today, not waiting for someday, when you actually can embody that, Whew, the happiness trifecta, what it does inside your body. 
You don't live driven by scarcity and fear and cortisol and wondering, do I have enough? Do I have enough? Do I have enough? You actually walk in, in peace. What about this, though? It is more blessed to give yeah, with our time and with our talent, with our treasure. What about our testimony? Every one of you has a story. And if you're a sincere follower of Jesus, like you've had a moment where you were once this, and yet grace and peace, something changed. You now have a story. And, and oftentimes I'm wondering how good are we at sharing that story? How often are we like just holding that story? I was on the Colorado River a few weeks ago and it came up and we were fishing, my brothers and I. And uh, we came up to this massive dam, and it was just there. And I, I just remember looking at this dam, and we were fishing and um, trying to catch some rainbow trout. Fly fishing it was amazing. I caught five. I was excited. Um, but I, I, I was remembering looking at this dam and just thinking, gosh, I don't even know what's on the other side of that. And just at this moment, if that dam just broke, all of this water would just come rushing in. And, and I think sometimes when it comes to grace, when it comes to our story, we end up sometimes just putting up like our own Hoover Dam just to hold that in. I don't know if I should share it. I'm more afraid of rejection. I'm more afraid that maybe somebody might say no. I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit timid. But if you actually believe Jesus' word, it's more blessed to give than receive. Jesus would walk up to a Samaritan woman, someone from a different culture, different context, different gender, and sit down and chop, and he wasn't afraid. Paul recognized he was going to be rejected. It didn't matter. In his rejection and in his suffering, it actually allowed him to connect deeper to the way of Jesus and to the cross. And the more that you begin to recognize you have a story, and when you actually throw that story into the ethos, and every once in a while someone says yes to that story. And I was thinking about the baptisms. One of the things that frustrates me the most about baptism services at church, which sounds a little bit strange, is oftentimes we just celebrate the person being baptized. The person being baptized didn't just happen to show up one day. The person who was being baptized came because someone invited them. Someone was willing and believed it was more blessed to give their testimony or share an invitation than actually just receive and hold on to it themselves. And then the truth is, you begin to play that out. That someday when we stand in eternity... We will get to see the impact of just one simple yes, one simple invitation, one simple sharing of our testimony and what that did, not just maybe for that person, but for the generations that came after that person. This for me is just everything. But I kept going back to that verse, and I want to bring that up, Acts 20, verse 35 again, because there's something about this. Look at this verse because there's one piece I missed. Look what it says, in everything I did, this is Paul speaking, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Now, this word blessed, I think for some of us, we're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, hashtag blessed. Everything's blessing. Think of some songs. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And, and, and you have to understand Jesus predominantly spoke uh, Hebrew or Aramaic. People debate over it. The New Testament, though, was translated from Hebrew to Aramaic into Greek. So I'm constantly fascinated by words in Hebrew and Aramaic because I want to understand the original context in which a word was written. So this word blessed. In Hebrew, it's the word baruch. And baruch literally means increase. 
But here's what's fascinating about Hebrew is that words are connected and tied to other words. And Baruch, the root of that word, literally means this, to kneel. So just think about this for a second. Paul is quoting Jesus, and Jesus is saying, it is more Baruch. It is more blessed. There is more sense of favor and increase when you give than when you choose to receive. But, but just play with this for a second. Why would a word to kneel be connected to blessing? And it was something that Andy said just a moment ago. Is that when you actually kneel before a trustworthy God, when you actually choose to believe the theology that which Jesus taught us as the best way to live, that you actually believe to align your life, your one and only life with the way of Jesus that you say, oh, when I actually decrease somehow in the kingdom of God, I increase. That is what blessing is. They will tell you what happens in the brain when you pray and when you worship does something. That's also connected to the happiness trifecta. But there's something at which when you just choose to decrease because you feel that God is safe and God is consistent and God is worthy of trust, that somehow it's in that you can exhale and experience an increase with the Lord. Now, what I want you to understand is this word, it is more blessed to give than receive, that when you actually choose to do this, something else happens. And this is what we would call fruit based on the, deci- the decisions, the actions, the postures and practices. And when you are someone who actually orients their life, it is more blessed to give with your time and your talent and your treasure and your testimony. You actually become a person who is generous of spirit. Nobody just drifts towards generosity. But when you become a person who's generous of spirit, this is what you have to understand is what comes out of that is it is more blessed to give with our thinking. That you become more generous with your thinking. The way that you actually see another person, you actually give people the benefit of the doubt. You don't rush to just like cynicism, judgment, hatred, difference. When you are someone who actually has oriented your life with the way of Jesus, you actually become someone who's generous of spirit because it is more blessed to give with our time, our talent, our treasure, our testimony, and with our thinking. But think about this. Flip it. Flip it and just think about our world today. No shade, no shame. Just stay with me for a moment. What if you actually oriented your life with this concept? It is more blessed to receive than to give. What's the fruit of that? I don't think it's generous of spirit. I think it is controlling of spirit. And instead of your time that you are able to give away, what's the words that you use? It's my schedule. It's my schedule. It's not your talent. What's, what's actually going to be about your success? What's actually going to lead people to see you as successful? Oh, no, no, no. It's not, it's not about your treasure. No, 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 no. It is about my security. 
Do I have enough? No, no, no. It's not about testimony. It's my story, and I'm not going to let anybody know what's really going on in my life. It's not about generous of spirit towards how I think. Controlling of spirit, as all of my, my kids would say, you become more sus. Just sus. That's what my son says. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're suspect. I'm like, oh, I, I know what that word means. You see, you just get suspect. It's like Ben Affleck and Goodwill Hunting. You, you suspect, you know? You get a little bit more cynical, a little bit more judgmental. When you're controlling a spirit, you're like, what do they really want? What are they really trying to get at? What are they really saying? Where are they really at? And all of a sudden, you are just creating barriers between us and them. And that's why Paul says to these leaders in Ephesus, hey, hey. Will you be more like Jesus, who actually believes it is more blessed to decrease in the presence of a safe and worthy of trust and consistent God, because it's in your decrease, oh my goodness, he will bring increase of grace and peace and joy and empathy. I don't know about you, is anytime you have these moments, when you choose to live like this, you're actually connecting your one and only life with the way of Jesus. Just think about it. Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, watching creation, hearing the adoration of all of heaven, who found it a privilege to sing with every ounce of their being at the goodness and the holiness of God. And yet, Jesus and the Father look down at creation, and Jesus says, let me go. And Paul says, man, we should have the same mindset of Jesus in Philippians 2 who is willing to empty himself out of anything that he could use for his own advantage and do what? Enter this world and give of himself. And when you read Philippians chapter 2, you begin to see how one man began to decrease, emptying himself out because he firmly believed in the goodness of the Father that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he chose to humble himself in such a way, the end of that Philippians 2 passage, it says that when the name of Jesus is mentioned, every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And that's what we are invited into. So here's the truth. It's not just for a happiness trifecta. Do that. And that's why a lot of people who have no faith, who are really generous, seemingly are a lot, of ha- a lot happier than even people within the church. Because they've stumbled into something in brain science. They just don't have something that's going to last past this reality. We do. So we, so we believe it from a neuroscience, brain science way. But then we go, oh, no, no, no. In every area of my life, this is... And this is the problem with our world. We are compartmentalizing our faith. I give you an hour on Sunday, but Steve, do not go longer than 35 minutes teaching. (laughs) You know, we've compartmentalized this thing. But then when you actually begin, oh, in every ounce of my being, I want to be more like my rabbi Jesus. That when you actually choose to do that, what you're doing is being shaped and formed into the way of your rabbi. And also, you are standing 
and swimming upstream in a culture that says, no, 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 guys, 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 it is not more blessed to decrease. It's more blessed to increase and it's more blessed to accumulate and receive. Just think about this. What What if we could actually look at this next week and maybe in your journal time tonight or tomorrow morning, just write the words time and put a little dash, 168 hours and reflect back on the last week How much time have I given? And maybe maybe that looks different. Maybe for some of you, it's like, oh, you know what? I need, there's a couple people I just need to check in on. There's a couple people I just need to spend some time praying for. You just even begin to give that just a little bit and just watch what that does within you. Even just giving praise and adoration to God. Starting your day, putting on a little worship, Start singing Fall Fresh on Me, trying to keep up with Andy singing that song. Just watch what it does to your spirit, your talent. If you actually saw yourself as someone who was gifted by God, spiritually gifted, and just look at your life and go, ah, and this week, how am I putting those gifts on display? Your treasure. Man, what if, what if you looked at it more net given, not net worth? Man, this is, this is what I'm choosing to give away as I prepare even for end of the year or prepare for the next coming year. I wanna be someone who's actually believing and is more blessed to give than to receive. What about your story? What if you actually challenged yourself to give your story away? Dallas Willard once said, you ought to Give and ask the Lord for one great rejection a day. I hate rejection. It takes me back to a junior high, seventh grade dance. But when you actually can experience rejection, what does that do? It allows you to be connected to how Jesus handled rejection. And with your thinking, think about that. Was there a part of you that was like, oh gosh, there was suspect, there was cynicism, there was walls up, there was judgment. I couldn't learn from that person. And all of a sudden you start to believe this. I'll end with this question. I just want you to think about, does your life evoke generosity of spirit or controlling of spirit? And since baptism, we've been trying to teach you how to walk it out. And if there's something I wish that our church could embody for Elgin and the Northwest suburbs and beyond is that we would be people who are generous of spirit. And every act of their life, people would be like, I don't really get them. But man, they are generous. Time, talent, treasure, testimony, thinking. Their life, it smells and it looks and embodies the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about. Today's Friendsgiving, and I'm excited because all I've been able to smell from that door is all the food that's downstairs. And what I've been thinking so much about the whole mantra of life together, our vision. And I, I started just in my journal a few days ago, just writing, life together is all about friends giving. That's all it is. It's just friends giving to one another, holding space for one another, forgiving one another, loving one another, confessing to one another, encouraging one another, spurring one another on. That's, that's, that's life together. It's just us giving because Christ freely gave to us. In a moment, we're gonna dismiss you. Um, I hope that you'll join us in the old church basement. If you're new, we'd love to meet you and, and just tell you a little bit about us and hear a little bit about you. 
There's going to be food. Bria will kind of tell you what to do downstairs. She'll give you directions. Um, But it's going to be an amazing, amazing time. But before we go, I want to just share one last piece. It's a little bit of business, but I think it's connected to the message. Some of you who have been a part of our community, who have either checked in a child or have served, who have given, who have shown up to H3, um, you're kind of in our database. And I, I like having people in our database because we know how to connect with you. But you're going to be hearing about this. Um, for our end of the year kind of campaign, um, you know, every year we've done this, we've just invited people to give. Um, we have three S's that we're going after. You can tell I'm a pastor, but three S's. The first one is the end of the year is inviting you to help us because in 2024, we want to hire a student ministry pastor. Um, yeah. And I know a bunch of families who want to be a part of this church, but and a bunch of families who already are a part of this church who have middle school students and high school students, and they're like, there's nothing for them. That breaks our heart. And so we're inviting you in this end of the year. Man, can you help us there? Second one is savings. Um, We're trying to build a little bit of a savings account um, because we don't know. There's nothing that's changing anytime soon with this building, but we want to start building a savings that maybe God allows us for another opportunity around a building. And the third is what we're calling service. So students, savings, and service. We've been able to have some opportunities with the Dream Academy. There's some other initiatives in Elgin that have like really captured our team's heart. Bria's leading out on that. And we just want to be able to kind of unleash more of this generous spirit towards our community to continue to be the hands and feet. And so you'll get a letter about this. You'll hear more about it, but just want to put that on your heart to consider and to pray. God, we just come before you. We thank you for what you're doing in this church. For our friends who are new here today, I hope that they'll enjoy the turkey, the conversation, the connection. But God, thank you for being a God who is safe. We don't have to fear. We don't have to walk and live in scarcity. God, thanks for being a God that's consistent. Lamentation says a steadfast love that never ceases. It's not just good when we're good. It's good every single moment of every single day, even when we are living in true alignment and integration with who you made us to be and even when we're not. And because you're safe and because you're consistent, you are worthy of trust. And even when I'm inconsistent, parts of my life are unsafe, God, I still can't believe that you trust me trust us with your story. And God, I pray that we would hold that with such weight and beauty and responsibility and grace, but every single one of us this week would actually embody that one verse that is more blessed, that is more baruch to give than receive for your glory. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Grace and peace. We'll see you downstairs.